Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. Wednesday, August 18th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's Wildcard Show, we're sitting down with Latch co-founder and CEO, Luke Schoenfelder, to talk more about the company's most recent quarterly results, the opportunities Latch is focused on going forward, and much more. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Luke, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to have you back talking with you again about Latch and all the cool stuff you're doing there at the company. Uh, Before we get into the quarter and and what you all are doing there at Latch, uh, explain to our listeners who might not be so familiar with the business, explain to our listeners briefly what Latch does. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me again, Jason. Great to speak with you again. Um, So Latch is is an operating system for buildings. And so we create software and devices that make buildings better places to live, work, and visit. And we focus on apartment buildings. Um, That's where we started. We've also announced uh, that we're expanding to commercial offices. But imagine you're renting an apartment, um, you sign your lease. The first thing that's going to happen is you'll get sent your virtual keys via Latch. You'll download the app. And then Latch sort of guides you through setting up your apartment, getting moved in, and you're able to control the locks with your phone. So you don't need keys anymore. You can control your thermostat, control your smart home, you know, let people in when you're not there. It manage your package delivery, kind of the most of the stuff you need to do in your day to day living in one of our buildings is handled through the latch app and the the partner devices and, and first party devices that we make and we we work with. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. So are you primarily uh, so like apartment buildings and whatnot? I mean, if I'm just an individual with a home, a single family detached home. Am I an ideal latch customer? No, we serve the, so the person who purchases our products today is a building owner. So a building owner will purchase it for the entire building. And so you as a user, when you move into the building, you get latch just as part of moving into the building. And so that's kind of how the, how the business model works and, and how you experience our products. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, you just released uh, your earnings results here recently. Let's talk about this most recent quarter because, you know, I I was going through the release, went through the call. I mean, the results were strong. Growth and bookings looked great. I thought you did pull back on guidance a little bit. I mean, that's that's understandable, right? I mean, uh, walk us through the quarter, what what you felt like was going really well, what what you feel like the the company needs to focus on here in the coming quarters. Totally. It was a fantastic quarter, uh, you know, 227% year over year growth, um, which is pretty wild. Um, we had bookings growth of over 100% year over year growth. So 95 uh, million bookings in the quarter, uh, which is the total of our software and our hardware LOIs from the quarter. So it was our biggest, um, you know, one of our biggest quarters ever. Um, I think what, you know, where we revised guidance was all about um, all related to supply chain stuff and not yeah. our products, which is what's tough. So, you know, our products were continuing to ship and, and, and make everything despite these really crazy supply chain times that we're in. But what we're seeing is that because we're one of the last set of products that gets installed in a space, if there was a delay on paint, if there was a delay on lumber, we're sort of at the end of the process. And so, yeah. you know, if you think about it, if we're the dessert, mm-hmm. Uh, if your main course is late and your salad course is late, like dessert's going to be late too. And that's what's kind of frustrating because, you know, this is the world right now and we're doing everything we can 
to help our customers get their spaces online faster so that people can move into them. And, you know, one of the things we did announce that we're, we're, we're uh, rolling out in the quarter is what we call direct deployment. So we're actually helping our customers do the installation and setup of our products as opposed to relying on third parties, which does help bring them online faster. So we're trying to do whatever we can to make sure our customers always get their spaces online with our stuff. Um, but we, we saw the effects of the sort of global supply chain uh, shortage and labor shortage, um, you know, in the second quarter. And so we just said, hey, if things stay this way for the rest of the year, this is what you can expect. But we're obviously hoping that that isn't the case and that we are able to, you know, just continue to grow um, as we pre planned before this moment. Yeah, I, it's so funny. You know, when we're thinking about this, it, every quarter, you know, we we look for whatever types of, of themes that may be playing out in companies' reports. And it seems like always you hear companies talk about how weather may impact their business, yeah. and, and particularly in the retail space, obviously. But really, it does feel like and every company is referring to this supply chain crunch. It yeah. is not a cop-out. I mean, if you are a consumer, if you're a business, if you're an investor, you're seeing this in every facet of your life today. That's right. And, you know, I think we, uh, for us, it's like, it's really important that we continue to deliver for our shareholders and, you know, build that reputation for always exceeding expectations and, and are always straightforward about where we are. We felt like it was important to get ahead of this and just say, hey, this is what we're seeing and, you know, re revise guidance accordingly. But it has nothing to do with the 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 larger picture of what we're doing. This is a this is a blip and we're excited to, you know, continue to push forward with everything we've laid out and it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And I mean, you see the strength in bookings. I mean, clearly you're doing something right. You're giving yeah. you're giving your customers something that they want. And let's That's talk right. about that for a second, because I think one of the most interesting dynamics of your business and it requires a little bit of a longer term perspective. And that's really yeah. what we specialize in here, I think, at the Molly Fool. We take the longer view than, than most yeah. investors. You know, it's getting the hardware, getting the installation. That's just the one, that's, that's the real hard work. But getting that done, the margins on your software business are astounding. I mean, They're 90% fantastic. Talk yes. a little and bit about that software business and how excited you are about it. Absolutely. So every one of our devices, once it gets installed in a, installed in a space, we get paid every month for the software. Um, so we get paid between 7 and $12 per apartment per month where our products are installed. But what's really powerful about our model as well, Jason, is that um, over 90% of our customers prepay six years of software on day one. So not wow. only are they signing up this this incredible incredibly like high margin software contract, we're getting paid upfront as well, which enables us to have really positive working capital dynamics in the business and continue to invest in R and D and to deliver new features. And that was one of the other big things out of the quarter. So we announced that ninety percent of our customers are buying two or more of our LatchOS modules, and so we sell our software solutions in what we call modules. We have five of them: smart access, delivery, and package management smart home, connectivity, and personalization and services, 90% of our customers are buying two or more of those, which is up. Q4 of last year was 44%. So we've over doubled in three quarters. And you know we're really excited about that because when it's, what it's telling us is when we make a product, people buy it. And that's what we love to see from our customers. So you are a, a young company. You are still getting your, your feet on the ground here, so to speak, uh, probably came public a little bit earlier than you normally would have, given the opportunity in, in, in all of these these SPAC mergers lately. Talk, maybe. Let's talk a little bit about, well, maybe, I mean, okay, yeah, maybe. And, and that's yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you because, I mean, it's only been a little while. So I guess my first question is, do you have any regrets 
going public as early as you did? Or are there any, have you learned anything so far as a publicly traded company that is, has sort of changed the way that you approach the strategy of the business? Oh, no. I mean, our strategy has always been to be, you know, focused on the long term and independent. I mean, that's really been our goal was to build the largest sort of independent product company, the first product company really to serve this market. And that's been our focus. And, you know, when we had the opportunity to, you know, merge with a SPAC uh, and go public, it was just the cementing that strategy, right? And, you know, if you look at who our investors uh, were in our announced pipe transaction, Fidelity, BlackRock, Durable, Spruce House, I mean, it's a uh, Wellington, it's an incredible set of, you know, a dream list of shareholders, really, um, who are supporting the business. And for us, it was really important that we made sure we had folks that were long term oriented, irrespective of whether we were private or public. And it was about being independent and building this independent uh, future and this product company that would serve the space. And we've been able to do that. And, you know, I think you always learn things, you know, you said, have you learned anything about going public? Of course, every time you, you do anything new, you learn a lot of stuff. If you would have told me 10 years ago that I'd be a public company CEO and know all the things that I, I know and I've had learned all the things that I've learned, you know, I don't know that I would have believed you. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> um, and But that's that's what you do is, is uh, you put one foot in front of the other and you'll learn everything you can to best serve your customers and best serve your shareholders. Yeah, yeah. Uh, given the nature of your business, I mean, your business is very much based on on connectivity, right? I mean, it's yeah. it's, it's the Internet of Things. I think encapsulated. Yep, yep. Uh, we are seeing all over the place now. I mean, the headlines regarding five G mm-hmm. connectivity. I mean, everything is becoming connected now. And, and I know you have uh, background in in in, uh, in in that in that space as well. Yeah. Uh, what role What role does five G play in your business? Where does Latch fit into this whole five G conversation? So two things. One, um, you know, I love infrastructure problems and solving things in infrastructure. And one of the things that we do at Latch is almost all of our products actually work without a network connection. And that was super important for high reliability. So one of our devices in a hallway, you can communicate with it digitally, even if your phone is not connected to the internet and the device isn't connected to the internet, because we do offline caching, which enables you to have this really high security, high reliability system. Now, to your point on 5G and connectivity, when you add those things in as backups and as fail-safes, the whole network just becomes stronger. And when you talk about kind of where we're going, every device in the world is going to be able to, in some way, talk talk to other devices and to get smarter and to learn. And I think what we're seeing with 5G um, is the ability for um, a whole new set of devices to connect with really high bandwidth in all sorts of locations. And now when you think about, and you know, before Latch, I started a smart metering company using cellular networks to do energy monitoring in very remote sites. Those use cases are still gonna exist and you're gonna need effectively low bandwidth communication options. So if you look at Swarm, which SpaceX just bought last week, I don't know if you, if you all covered that on the show, but Swarm has developed a really incredible communication technology that works basically anywhere on planet Earth, but it's low bandwidth. So if you need to get one reading from a sensor in Iceland, there's going to be a whole set of satellite providers that are going to do that better than's ever been possible before. But then once you get to these dense urban environments, they're very noisy, meaning there are a thousand different networks, a thousand different, um, you know, different connectivity options. And so what 5G is going to need to be able to do is have really high reliability, high bandwidth connections. And I think what we're seeing in our spaces is so many multifamily apartment buildings are going to be awesome sites to put these dense urban connectivity nodes 
5G networks, if you will, right co-located with the building because there's so many people there. And that's something you know we are very excited about is to see how 5G is going to be able to provide higher reliability and data to both our building owner customers for their sensor networks and also for the residents who want to do all the stuff that all of us want to do online inside their spaces. Huh, I love that. What uh, now? I, I you, you I'm reading about some partners. I mean, the the partnerships you formed, I think, with some very strong strong businesses out there, uh, and and I think some would view them as probably competitors to some degree, or at least potential competitors to a degree. Um, I mean, you you forged partnerships with companies like Google and Apple and RealPage. Uh, I, I wonder if you could just talk a little bit about how those partnerships actually work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the what what's interesting is that in many cases, I, I wouldn't say we're actually competitive with, with those companies, but I think the reality is if you look at this digital convergence, there is a term I'm stealing from somebody else called coopetition. I don't know if you've uh, yes. heard of this this I've phrase, but <laughs> you know you've got the Amazon Fire Stick with the Apple TV running app on it, right? The software program running on their hardware. And then you have Fire TV running on the Apple TV because they want to sell their streaming services. And I think like that is the world where we're moving to, where we need to serve customers. And our customers, whether they own a building or they're a resident in a building, they have needs and we need to be as proactive as possible, whether it's RealPage, whether it's us, whether it's Apple, in meeting those customer needs. And so that's, I think, where we all have common ground. And then we try to find ways to make sure that we always are good partners to deliver a good complete experience but then also have our areas of specialization right what yeah. google you know and apple you know do really well is serve end consumers what we've done really well is not only serve end consumers but also serve entire building environments and that isn't really a place where they've played before real page that's a place where they've played for a really long time but they haven't necessarily had that same end user experience focus they don't have an app that the average user uses 4.6 times a day, right? That's a different thing to them. And our our app, the average user uses it 4.6 times a day. And so you end up with these very interesting ways that you can work with each other to leverage each other's capabilities. And sure, will there be a feature where we compete with X company or Y company that's also a partner? Absolutely. But we have to stay focused on meeting our customers' needs and not just focus on what a competitive potential you know, dynamic might be. We got to serve our customers fundamentally. All of us need to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, speaking speaking of those customers, uh, it, it sounded like in the call that you all are starting to pursue some, some, some meaningful commercial opportunities. Could you dig yeah. in a little bit there and talk a little bit about these commercial opportunities and what you see coming uh, on the horizon? I'd- Absolutely. We're super excited about Latch Visitor Express. And what that's going to do is, so if you're in a in a large office building in a major city, which is not everybody, that's a small section of the population. But right. for those folks, you spend so much time waiting in line at a security desk. Imagine like an airport where you have a, almost like a, a boarding gate or a, a check-in process, like a TSA check-in process to get into the building. And what we've developed is uh, through our trusted network with Latch ID and with our building partners, we can actually enable an easy pass or pre-check like experience where you can go straight to the turnstile, straight to the elevator and get into the building. And this saves so much time, so much headache, so much hassle. It can be paperless. So it's more environmentally friendly. It's just way better. And we're piloting that at Empire State Building, Rockefeller Center, Brookfield Place in New York City. And we'll be rolling it out, you know, broadly beyond that. But, you know, this is really exciting to see this go live. And as so many people are returning in some way or another to offices right now, we just want to make that as easy as possible and make that transition as easy as it can be. But we're also seeing, you know, 
the way that people are going to work in offices in the future is going to be more flexible, right? I think everybody's sort of talking about this. And so the idea that we can provide temporary access, on-demand access, access that lasts for a day, access that lasts for three hours through a digital platform is really, really powerful. And, and that's something that we're excited about. And, and we think it presents a unique opportunity and a unique moment in time for the commercial office market. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we're seeing that play out even in our workforce here at The Motley Fool. And, is this and your I'm office, sure. Jason, now? Or? <laughs> it, it, this is my office now, yeah. But, right. And, this and, is my and, office and now. For so, and for so many of us, it's changed. Like, I don't yeah. know what your office strategy is at The Motley Fool, but I bet you'll have some times where you maybe see each other in person, you want to go into a space, and having dynamic controls so you're able to do that is, is going to be really, really important. Yes, it is going to be markedly different than what it has been over the last decade that I've been there for sure. And, and that we certainly are not the exception. I mean, we're seeing that everywhere. And I think that, that I, I understand your excitement there because it really feels like there are a lot of opportunities. And, and you know, one of the customers that need this right now is us, is Latch, right? Because our <laughs> employee base is changing. And so in many ways, I love opportunities where you can build tools. Have you heard of dog fooding? where you eat your own dog food. Oh or, yeah. Yeah, it's like for us, we get to we have to eat our own dog food. Like we need this tool, so how can we build it to best serve our own needs? And if it's not working for us, how's it going to work for our customer? And so that's been a great, you know, great thing for us is to we need these tools too. So let's build them for everybody. You know, you 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 talk about that a couple of businesses that stand out to me that are that are very much that same way. A little a little business that you may have heard of, uh, Amazon, Jeff Bezos. That sounds it, it, it sounds very Bezos esque. Yeah. <laughs> also, Cloudflare. I, I'm not sure how familiar yeah. you are with Cloudflare, but but Matthew yeah. Prince, I mean, he talks a lot about that. You know, eating your own cooking, so to speak, and uh, totally it, it can lead to some really amazing solutions. It totally does, and I mean, we we try to get every one of our employees to either live in a latch building or install the products at their home because then they they live with. With it and they see what are the areas for improvement and that's how you get better. So in the call uh, here, you, you were talking about the underutilization of technology in real estate. It's been yeah. a long-term driver of your business. And and that that stood out to me because it does feel like it feels like real estate is one of those markets that has been slow to disrupt in many many ways, right? I mean, it's it's been the one where we still got sort of the same old stereotypical real estate agent, and you kind of buy the house the same way, and the costs are just insane, and you can't figure out why that rubber stamp costs two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> and you're starting to see tech slowly and slowly change with with companies like Zillow and Redfin. But but why do you feel like that that underutilization is the case? Why has real estate been slow to adopt technology on the whole? It's a great question. I mean, I think the, the space that I know the best is the rental side, right? And I joke, but rent is the world's oldest subscription product. And I haven't <laughs> come up with anyone that could refute that, right? And maybe there is, but I mean, I think 4,000 years ago, people were renting apartments in, 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 you know, in a city somewhere. And I think because it's such an old business and because it's so lucrative in many cases, there hasn't been the need for disruption for change. And I think what we're seeing now is a realization that, you know, to use the Mark Andreessen quote, software is eating the world, right? And I think what we're realizing is that every environment where we spend our, our time is critical and is important. And if software can make that better and technology can make that a better experience, people will be happier, 
people will stay longer, people will enjoy it more. And I think that's the opportunity that we're seeing. And I believe that why we're seeing that in a different way than others have is because we take a product first approach. Like we were talking about eating your own dog food. Well, we look at every little detail. You know, a lot of us came from Apple, including myself. And we say, how can every little detail of this whole experience be better? And we're not there yet. We haven't done everything we want to do. But the reality is start somewhere and work up from there. And we saw this problem with keys. People get locked out. People don't want to carry metal around. And you know what? We have this thing in our pocket now, this slab of glass that solves that problem. Well, if you get somebody in the slab of glass doing stuff, what other problems can you solve for them? And that's really been how we've, how we've built this. And I think as you look forward at all the problems we can solve, there's so many more in real estate. There's so many more in living that we can continue to just iterate and iterate and iterate. And that's why if you look at you know, 44% of our customers were buying something beyond access in Q4 of last year. Now 90% are, right? Because the problems that we're solving, the solutions we're delivering are really resonating. And I'm so excited to continue to work in more technology, in more user experience thinking, in more product design throughout the entire real estate space. And, you know, you can tell I'm pretty passionate about that, but I think we have an incredible opportunity to do it. Well, I couldn't agree more. I think you have a tremendous opportunity in front of you. I love your passion. I really have enjoyed learning about your business and I'm going to enjoy following you all along because it really is, it, it's playing right in our wheelhouse uh, here. And, and it's, it's, it's something that uh, I think is only going to become more important. So uh, he's the co-founder and the CEO of Latch, Mr. Luke Schoenfelder. Thanks so much for joining us on, on Industry Focus today. Thank you so much, Jason. Have a great day. I hope to see you soon. And that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MF Industry Focus or drop us an email at industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.